Andrew, why are you so sad? Well, Trip, I've got an Android phone, and I don't know how to find my favorite podcasts on it. Well, did you know that the Podcast Republic app can serve all of your podcast needs in one convenient location? All of them? How does it work? Well, you find the Podcast Republic app on the Google Play Store, you download it to your device, and then you mark all your favorite podcasts as your favorites. Like dissecting the 80s? Exactly like that. And then every time they update, the episodes zip right to your phone. Wow, how convenient. That's right, the Podcast Republic app for Android devices. Don't forget you can support this podcast on Patreon by visiting patreon.com slash dissectingthe80s. There you can choose a tier that works for you, from $2 for where you get the monthly newsletter, all the way up to $88 where you get a custom episode of the show recorded for you on vinyl. Patreon.com slash dissectingthe80s. Welcome to Dissecting the 80s. I am Trip Lano, one half of the Mega Podcasting Powers. And with me, as always, is my tag team partner, a man that can only be described as Macho! The Macho Mandrew. Andrew Lano. <laughs> I went full Kirk there. I had the veins bulging and everything. So imagine that happening while you listen to it. It is to lie. It is my pick. I can see the disappointment creeping into Andrew's face already as we sit down to start this. We have not talked about this movie at all yet. Uh, I think mostly because I'm about to get it with both barrels. Uh, We watched Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, universally accepted as the best Star Trek movie by people who aren't on this podcast. So you know what that means. We gotta go back. We gotta go dissect the 80s. It's your con! Something's gotta be out about your con! When the mega powers explode! I'm talking about the 80s. Oh, yeah. Great Scott! Cream of the crop. Oh, 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 oh yeah. Mega power death! When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're gonna see some serious shit. We are a little bit on the nose. Is it only take you getting? Because that hurt my throat. It made me cough. Yeah, no, it's a big performance. He does. It's 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 a very big performance. That's a um, word for it. <laughs> so, real quick, just a little Star Trek backstory. This is the return of Khan Noonien Singh from the episode Space Seed, which. Pretty much every Star Trek episode ranking puts this episode in the top five. I don't remember it. I watched Star Trek once the summer after I graduated from college. I blew through all of it after seeing the remake movie. Uh, I don't really remember much of it, but I generally prefer Star Trek when it's a little sillier. I think it uh, a lot of the... A little too dry for me. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. Star Trek tackled some really cool, big issues that were prevalent in the society that it was aimed at. I mean, it aired from the 60s and and then really became hit in the 70s. But personally, I feel like a lot of the serious episodes have the tone of an after-school special these days. Yeah, that's that's definitely a a good um, approximation. And so, for me, it's a lot more fun when it's just like, it's a space western with space cowboys! Yeehaw! And less like, this is an important thing about accepting others. Which I, like, is 
great and I'm glad it existed and it was a show that was probably a not insignificant part of people of color and people of different backgrounds feeling more accepted. Uh, there's a really, really incredible, like every time I watch it, I get a little verklempt. Uh, and I know this is silly because what, uh, what I'm about to say to you is ridiculous, but there's an incredible drunk history short about Nichelle Nichols, who's a Lieutenant Uhura on mm-hmm. the show and in this movie. And I'm not going to do the whole thing, but she was about to leave Star Trek and she was like, I don't, I'm not digging this. It's not for me. And she met Martin Luther King at a NAACP event. And she, she, they asked her if she would be willing to meet somebody, and they kind of like put her in a back room. And in walks Martin Luther King, who just like totally fanboys out and is like, "This is you're on the only show that I let my kids watch. Like we all sit down together as a family and we watch this show together. It's the only show where black people aren't servants or or worse in the way they're treated. Like you're a major part of this. You're thing." And she's like, "Oh, I'm sorry to tell you, I quit the show." And he was like, "No, you you can't quit the show." And she was like, uh, no, I, I quit the show. And he's like, no, again, you can't quit the show. Like, you're the only person of color on television who's not a maid. You cannot quit that show. So don't go undo that. And then she did. And then it goes on to talk about how Nichelle Nichols, after being this cultural icon, went to NASA and was like, hey, where's all the black people? This is a very white dude thing. And they were like, I don't know. You think you could do that? And then she recruited the first minority candidates who went to space she recruited like the like women and the first black woman I and the first black man she recruited the uh computers from like hidden figures and i was like wait a minute they <laughs> no 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 no, no 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 but she the she was like a significant part of the recruiting efforts of nasa to diversify nasa but yeah so you should all go look up this drunk history video of michelle nichols she is uh truly amazing woman who did some incredible things for society as a whole but yeah it's an amazing story and i like even like retelling it to you i get like a little verklempt that is i love that so much so changing gears drastically let's get to wrath of khan you've only ever seen one other star trek thing right you've seen the the movie the with the whales that we did for this have you ever seen any of the remakes or anything i've seen part of the remake um the first one and then the second okay. one, I just remember that they kept being like, don't worry, he's not Khan. And then he like fully was Khan and everyone was like, yeah, yeah we, we knew that. Like, this isn't exciting. <sighs> the worst part of it, too, is there's no like explanation in that universe for who he is because they reveal this is a spoiler for that movie. So I'm about to ruin this if you haven't seen it yet. Was it but, like four year, three years old at this point? I mean, more than that. But... They're like, oh, it's not Khan, it's not Khan. It's like, it's definitely going to be Khan, but okay. And then you get there, and that he's just a guy. And then suddenly he's like, my name is Khan Noonien Singh. And the movie treats that like as a, oh, shit. But the audience doesn't know who that is. Like, other if you're than, not... Other than the people who are Star Trek nerds. Right, but there's no explanation in the movie for like, oh, this is a bad guy. And then they literally have a character, they have new spock skype with old spock who's like he is the most despicably evil man we ever came across in our travels you should be very afraid of khan noonien singh it's like you literally had to have a character like talk to at the audience and be like he is a very bad man he's very scary don't don't be taking this man lightly so in new star trek is it like like the next there is a next generation so i can't even make that (laughs) joke 
But you could say like the new generation. The next next generation, so like no. it's like Spock grandkid or whatever the fuck. No, it's Spock, but from a different time. Okay. It's like an alternate timeline deal where it's like there are like the string theory of the universe where like there's an infinite number of parallel universes. Yeah. This is just a different, yeah, this is just a different one. And then also somehow in the first one, Spock from the original timeline shows up as like a very old man who got like marooned on a planet or something like that. Okay. So I don't remember how they hand waved it away to be quite honest with you. But that Spock knew a Kirk. No. Okay. So the movies that came out knew a Kirk. No, but he knows he knows his Kirk. Yes, that's what I mean. So it's like yes, yes. All Spocks are sort of like deter- predestined. So okay, to meet I believe I believe the way they do it on the show or in the, in, in the universe canon is like Spock Prime is old man Spock who was on the '60s television show, and then Spock is just the one played by the guy from Heroes who is best friends with a different James T. Kirk. Who is also his best friend, Zachary and they Quinto. also I love him. Zachary and Quinto, his, yes, and his brow ridge. Speaking of Zachary Quinto, is now hosting Mysterious Universe or something like that. I can't remember the name of the show, but it's a show that Leonard Nimoy hosted for a different channel back in the day. So now he's just become Leonard Nimoy. He just assumed his form. He's like, that's why he died. Zachary Quinto was like, "Your work is done here," and he just dissipated into ether. And Leonard Nimoy was straight, right? I know George Takai was gay. Is gay. Yeah, Leonard. I, as far as I know, Leonard Nimoy is straight. Yes. Okay. I don't know what he got into. He lived through the '60s, so like anything Who is knows possible. What happened, yeah, right? I, I mean, yeah, it could have been just about anything. But as far as I know, he he was not publicly out in any way. So yeah, it's a confusing timeline that Star Trek wraps itself up in. But that for somehow Zachary Quinto has just like assumed Leonard Nimoy's form, which I think is pretty wild. Works for me. I mean, I I like him a lot, but I feel like he doesn't work as much as I think he should in terms of being a talented performer. Because he did Heroes, and then he was in Star Trek, and he was in a couple seasons. Was he in just one season of American Horror Story or two? He was in at least one season of American Horror Story. Yeah, I'm wondering if they got, like, nice contracts for Star Trek, and therefore he could just, like, be choosier. I don't really know. Or maybe he's just, like, a quiet guy who doesn't want to be out there that much. I don't know. He did do Glass Menagerie on Broadway like four years ago because I have a signed poster that I won at an auction. Did he play one of the menagerie animals? Yes, he was the uh, the, the unicorn. Oh, okay. So you've only seen parts of the thing. Um, this is your first entry then into like real serious town Star Trek. Yeah. Uh, I definitely waited on the bus for the trip to go back. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was. It just was so <laughs> effing dry <laughs> and like so mired down in the minutia of like, <laughs> here's this. I was like, at least in Star-, Star Trek is just like fancy, fast paced space battle. Like mom in a Midwest town can still watch a Star Wars movie and like know what the fuck is happening. <laughs> Not so with Star Trek. They're like, we are exclusively for nerds, and that's okay with us. <laughs> yeah, it's it's fascinating. Um, uh, we're gonna have a we're gonna get to the My movie. My first we note was, so is Khan a thing before this? Like, was he? Yes, in this? I know that yes. now. But like, literally going in blind. My first note was like, so was Khan like a, a known quant commodity for the Star Trek universe? Do they make him up as for a thing? 
So you had to have watched I found that this specific episode of Star Trek to understand <laughs> who this guy was. They do eventually have like 12 seconds of dialogue that's like, oh, we encountered this guy once before. We marooned him on a planet and now he's pissed. Even still, like you're not going to get a uh, friggin... Seinfeld, you have to have watched the one about the Babka in order to understand this feature-length film. Like, that's <laughs> not a thing. It's kind of like prestige television, though. What do you mean? Where, like, you can't just, like, fire up an episode of The Handmaid's Tale mid-season and watch it. And, like, we, uh, our, our older brother, we were talking about a different science fiction show, Firefly, once, and I mentioned how much I really liked it. And he's like, oh, I never got into it. And I was like, oh, did you watch it? He's like, yeah, a couple episodes. I was like, you can't just, like, pick an episode of Firefly. Like, it, you have to start with the first chapter of the story. And he was like, eh, I do what I want. And I was like, no, that it's not CSI. It's not, it's not NYP Blue. <laughs> this is like, Gator have- Murders. Right. But that's uh, it's a real thing with prestige television. I actually just read an article today where there's an older person talking about how she just like doesn't get into TV anymore because she used to be able to just like turn the TV on and then watch whatever it was. And within a few minutes, like, oh, they're cops and they're chasing a bad guy. And now it's like, oh, she's 16... Jessica Fletcher. Yeah. Later turned detective slash. Uh-huh. Right. And now it's like, oh, you have to know who this character is and what their relationship is to eight other people. And it started three years ago. And if you don't start at the beginning, you're hosed. It's like a soap opera. Yeah. Well, the opposite, because I feel like you could jump into a soap opera at any point in time and you'll get it quickly. Yeah. Although I guess I, I, I'm used to, I was in my head. Soap operas are like so entrenched in lore and stories. And you're like, well, who is that person? And why does she hate this person? Well, who do they do? Right. Anyway, we start off. We got the big Star Trek Kirstie fanfare Alice here. Yeah, yeah. Former person that we liked as Americans and now someone who we don't need as much anymore. (laughs) Did she, like, do something? Like, was there something I've missed? I mean, she went, like, hardcore super Trump supporter. Oh, missed that. And there was another bad, dumb thing she did where it was just like, I'm taking this opinion that is far opposite of what public opinion is about this issue and move it on. So I don't remember what it was, though. Huh. I just remember she used to do those weight loss commercials where she would be like, Fada JD. <laughs> and it was like just absolute garbage food she was shilling. Yeah, it's it's freezer food. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I will say, as a big old nerdy nerdster, the the Star Trek music, the like whoosh, is always like a, a nice little thing for me. And uh I will also say I love the ethos of this show of that the mission our five-year mission to explore strange new worlds to seek out new life and new adventures to boldly go where no man has gone before i love that it is like as close to a life philosophy as i have slow five years for them uh actually i think in the movie they called it their ongoing journey or continuing journey (laughs) they retconned because they were like yeah it's been over five years yes the original show that said five-year mission which i thought was like really clever like oh if we say five-year mission they gotta keep us around for five years uh so we get three entire minutes of credits that's like every single person in the original cast has to be alone on screen with their name and the character they're playing. And it had to be like some contractual bullshit because it's like, Oh yeah. Oh my God. We get it. You know, it's end. a Star Trek movie. Just put them all on screen at the same time. <laughs> yes. yes. Wrap yes. it up. Right. Right. It's like, and George Takei as Sulu. And then like a five second break. And then, and Nichelle Nichols as Lieutenant Uhura. And it's like, Oh my God. Just, like, 
it get was odd borderline with... a turn and smile without the images. Yeah, no, it's totally crazy. I ended up fast forwarding through the credits because I couldn't take it anymore. It was just blue stars and space names. That's all we got. So we have a, a cockpit of the Enterprise and there's a distress signal. And then suddenly, oh, no, there's Klingon warbirds. And uh, there's all sorts of explosions happen. Sulo goes down. Bones they die goes down. like friggin' mayflies. <laughs> like, <laughs> they they do. It, it's like flag football. They're like, oh, my flag's done. Bye. <laughs> that is Two a hand touch. Analogy. Oh, you touched me. I'm done. I'm down. Um, I'm going to go have orange slices. And then you're like, wait, why is this woman controlling the Enterprise with the original uh, cast? Like, what's I, happening I was here? Like, what's, how did Kirstie Alley get in charge of everybody that I think <laughs> yeah. I should know from that yeah. one episode of Futurama? Yeah, exactly. Oh, we should have listed that as your Star Trek bona fides. You've seen that episode of Futurama. A bunch, because I love Futurama. Yeah. Um, It's one of the best episodes of Futurama, actually. I think it's really wonderful. Spock Um, has some drag queen-ass eyebrows. He, like, blocks the end. That's pretty true to life. extreme arch. (laughs) That's how um, Vulcan eyebrows just grow. Well, why does Kirstie Alley not have that? Because Kirstie Alley Maybe. was also crying and doing other stuff. And I was like, I'm confused because she's got the ears and she's supposed to be a Spock person. But Spock's I, all cold and logical that I thought was the thing. Well, I think like Spock, Kirstie Alley is only part Vulcan. And part of the whole journey of the character of Spock over the show is like, I'm a Vulcan. We don't have emotion, but he's actually half human. So he like has emotions and he tries to deal with that. So he's like a like a mermaid, but Vulcan human. Yes, but much more practical for, you know, day-to-day existence outside of water. You never know. <laughs> I'm assuming mermaid, unless you have, like, a wagon with a tank on it, and the mermaid is, like, sloshing around, that there's not a lot of, like, well, land-based mermaid sla- activity. It could be a splash situation, where when her legs are dry, she gets legs. Oh, okay. That is true. Stay tuned, by the way. Coming coming one of these days. Splash. Eventually. It'll happen. So everyone's dead really quick, and I was like, this is weird. It's like a Scream movie where the people you expect to be <laughs> to the end are dead in the first two minutes. And then they were like, oh, by the way, it's a training simulation. And I was like, oh, that's weird. Okay, fine. It was the Kobayashi Margulies. Maru. Whatever. Maru. Coochie Kobe Margulies. Um... And Kirk walks in carrying a fucking textbook, which is just like, what are we doing here? Like, he's got a book. He's teaching driver's ed. Yeah, he is. From the manual. Um, That would be the equivalent of Michael Jordan being like, I'm going to teach you how to shoot free throws. And he cracks open a book and it's like, how to shoot a free throw for dummies. Like, no, he is the teacher. Let him be the, the source of the information. Although we later find out, spoiler alert, that Kirk never actually did the test. He just cheated. No. No, okay, so that is exactly what I wanted to talk about here. But first, though, uh, Dr. McCoy Bones is laying on the floor with, like, his like a pinup. When mm-hmm. when Kirk walks in, he's got this, like, sort of sexy that, Jeff Goldblum like in Jurassic me. Park. I feel like he's me in the Star Trek universe. He's, like, <laughs> kind of dicking around, like, half yep. serious about everything. He is my favorite part of the show. Like, everybody loves Kirk and Spock, and they're they're great, but I love when it's the three of them, and Kirk and Spock are like, this is the plan. No, this is the plan. And Bones is like, you're both stupid. Here's a much better thing to do is always my favorite when he's like the, the savior. Anyway, he's like looking very sexy on the floor there. RIP to Forrest Kelly. 
they start talking to Kirstie Alley about no-win situations, and Kirk is, like, lecturing her about, like, oh, you know, and I don't know if situations happen all the time in battle. Right, right. I don't know if this movie is the first time it's brought up, but as a Star Trek person, like, seeing all this stuff, I'm like, Kirk cheated on the Kobayashi Maru that he's lecturing her about because he doesn't believe in no-win scenarios. What are we doing here? So... I, I would have to check the, the timeline to see where this came up originally, but I was mostly deeply confused at Kirk lecturing somebody. It's like the most hypocritical nonsense. Yeah, I was like, bro, you didn't take the test. You cheated and rewrote yeah. the test so to fit what you wanted and then pretended you were like so suave about it. Like, how is he an admiral? How did he ever get the captain? <laughs> they were like... Hey, to pass this driver's test, you have to drive this car. And he was like, well, what if I drove a boat instead? Give me a driver's license. And they're like, that's a cool thing you did, but, like, it's still not the parameters of the thing you're supposed to be doing. I believe the whole point of his, the reason why it worked for him is, like, no one has ever contemplated the idea of of thinking about the test on a meta level and being like, oh, well, to solve the problem of this test, I just have to fix the broken test. And they're saying, like, that's high-level problem-solving, which is what the Kobayashi Maru is supposed to teach you anyway. I guess, but, like, still, he so he's still not equipped to deal with a no-win situation, which will happen in space future. Yeah, absolutely. Also, I just looked it up, and this is the first time it's ever mentioned. So it does, it is, it is, like, the audience doesn't know he cheated until he tells them later. There is also a beautiful F you to Kirk in the very end. Spoiler, I'm just going to jump to the end, because I don't really care. Um, where, like, he goes down, to the, like, Spock sacrificed himself, and he, like, goes to the tank, and he, like, puts his hand on the glass, and Spock is like, I've finally taken the Kobayashi Maru. What did you think of my answer? And I was like, bet you feel like a dick now, don't you, Kirk? <laughs> I actually yeah. did the damn thing yeah. in real yeah. life. Yeah. Suck yeah. on that. Yeah, because Kirk definitely would not do that. No. <laughs> I know from people are going to tweet. From the two movies I know about this man. No, he would not. We're, we're going to get a lot of tweets, but I do not see Kirk doing the Spock role in this and just being like, oh, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the one. No, he'd be like, the needs of my penis outweigh the get in my bed. <laughs> I also like, like this hey, is... this is slowly filling up with radiation poisoning. And he's like, and bone. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, if you knew you were going out, you might as well go out with a bang literally. And so oh, yeah, that, yes, 100%. But also, like, if you are, if your best friend is the type to sacrifice himself to save everyone. And you are the type to say, let's go to Bone Town and just let everybody die. You're not the good, you're not the good person here. I would totally agree with that. I also think it's really funny that we get Chekhov's no-win situation as a Chekhov. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like certainly this isn't going to come into play later, right? Right? Yeah. The whole opening act of this movie is about this thing. I wish we got a Chekhov's Chekhov. That would have been really good. He almost is. He gets that worm in his ear in a second Yeah, it, it's, sim- it's similar to a Chekhov's Chekhov. Um, I also like one of them has the line about they're like too old to be doing this still that, that, that like they shouldn't be, you know, part of the, the training and they shouldn't be. And it's like, y'all are going to do like six more movies. I hope you are OK with what's going on, because well, you are I, a long way away from it being over. What they should have done is like when the test was over, they all should have they should have done that like phaser or not phaser. The like beam me up the effect. transporter. The transporter effect on them, so they would look like they were like pro, like CGI programs. 
Like, oh. why the hell are the act- is the actual cast like crew of the Enter casting crew? Jesus Christ! Why the hell is the actual crew of the Enterprise part of this one Kobayashi Maru test and has to like pretend to be dead? Like, should so they just I, be all programmings? So I think what they do, and again, really poorly, they're Spock's students, and I think it was like, oh, let's bring in the best of the best to be the the leaders of these things so that we can really test these kids with the absolute, you know, optimal people giving them direction. Like, think about it as they all became professors, I guess, of, of teaching the next generation of, of Starfleet Academy how so to be good. situation. Yeah, yeah. I still think it's goofy the way that it's represented in the movie that like Scotty is down there in the engine room with a thousand cadets who just don't know what they're doing is like, yeah, like that's a hellscape. (laughs) It's like one guy who's competent and a hundred idiots is not a good way to camp counselor to a bunch of 15 year olds. Yes, 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 exactly. They're all camp counselors. That's really spoiler alert. I would watch the shit out of that version of this where it's like the Enterprise gets marooned and then it's like a bunch of like a color war basically of all the different groups. I'm oh my god, oh my god, Scotty in the engine room with like a bunch of doofuses and then you know (laughs) Spock with a bunch of medical doofuses. I love it. Somebody rate this movie. I'm there for this. Cancel that show, CBS. Make this one. You know, it's gonna be a stupid episode of that goddamn show. So it's Captain Kirk's birthday, and everybody's getting him gifts. He's get, he gets referred to as an overgrown Boy Scout, which feels weird for the 23rd century. Yeah, they make a lot of current day references for supposedly a lot of time has passed into the future. Yeah. Also, I don't know if you remembered, but those glasses came back in, our, uh, in part four. Remember they went to the pawn shop with them? I do not remember that, but I believe Okay. <laughs> Kirk pawns those glasses to get something. Oh, that's kind of a dick move. He's just kind of a dick. Well, he did it with the person who gave him the gift. It was like, hey, we need money. This is like, it's a desperate situation. And also, it was like a weird, remember they time traveled? So he was like, if I don't sell these glasses to this pawn shop, they'll never end up back in my hands in 500 years. So I have to do this. It's real stretchy. Yeah, no, I agree. So Chekhov has his own ship now, and he he's the only one of all the people to get their own ship and not be glorified uh, Hogwarts staff. It's Chekhov. <laughs> and he's he's out there roaming out uh, looking for a lifeless planet that they can use this device on, the, the Genesis device, which is like now just a standard sci- sci-fi trope for a device to be something that you'd shoot it at a dead planet and then suddenly it springs to life and you have a fully formed planet. That is such like absolute standard sci-fi stuff now. But back then, this is probably one of the first shows or movies to deal with that. Like, so like, I just don't understand why you would design something like this and not have it like bypass already living organisms. Like, you know what planets could probably use that? The ones that already have life and have no resources. Like, how about you invent a machine that creates new life without destroying everything else? Because if you do- if you design that and don't see the militaristic applications, you're an idiot. Like, obviously, they wouldn't yeah. be your first choice, but... I just, I don't understand. I mean, I, I think from, like... And again, we're talking about stupid fake nonsense, but how, how would it like in, I guess in fiction, you're just saying it would just not kill living things, but it would just, just literally transform the ground under their feet. That seems impossible. Yes. 
You know what else is probably impossible? Uh, I mean, um, go, science yes, magic. Yes. <laughs> like, if it we're going to write magic. science magic, then, like, it should be able to be like, oh, it only enhances life already on the Earth. Like, it, it's like Rogaine. Like, you need the hair to be there for <laughs> it to attach to. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I, what you're saying is fine. Like, it's all nonsense. But part of my brain is like, mm, I don't know. Like, you could easily have a situation where you shoot a rock with some organisms and they blast them into life. How would you possibly control the scope of what you're saying? Like, but this it's thing all also stupid. creates a planet later. So. Well, see, that's that's the part where it gets insane because it, like, scoops up a bunch of other shit to create a planet. That's insane. Yes. The. Look, I will buy that you could theoretically create a missile that if you shot it at a rock would would terraform it and make make habitable life. It's stupid, but I buy it. Fair. Okay, fair. It's like a, it's like a thing that I've seen across many different science fictions and such like get it. Totally get it. I've seen it, but your thing seems too ridiculous. Yeah, okay. You added too many features. I didn't. I said, oh, it will enhance life already on the planet. It won't create new life out of literally nothing. It won't literally be God. You're like, I created a water gun that also shoots... Sorry. I created a gun that is also a shotgun that is also a missile launcher and also a flamethrower. No! I'm not saying that. I'm saying, oh, I basically, like, created a miracle miracle grow squirt gun. (laughs) <laughs> all right i buy that like oh this makes all life form it enhances all life on this planet right right this is also the first movie with a fully cgi sequence it's the one where they show how this device works yeah that's the first time that's ever was ever in a movie that yeah i like it entire, yeah so anyway he's scoping out for a planet and then they find this empty ship and they're like well we should go see if there's people on it and Chekhov doesn't recognize it which is batshit nuts for the because like in a minute he's gonna recognize Khan because well you know what else should have recognized the fucking marooned planet like if we're gonna maroon people on a planet let's like laser etch something into the surface that's like this is an exile planet (laughs) they just like (laughs) carve it into the surface we clearly have no like no regard for the natural life on this planet. So let's just carve something into the surface so that we don't make this mistake. Mommy, what's this canyon? Well, son, this is where the spaceship that left us here <laughs> used a giant laser to carve evil people here. Don't help. <laughs> this is, we're basically the Australia of planets, except instead of forming a vibrant country that many people live in, we just... We're left here and abandoned, and everyone knows, don't come in here, bad people only. <laughs> yes, like, why would, why would we take leave this to chance that this, because the whole idea is that, like, a planet got exploded and knocked this planet into that other planet's orbit, so they thought it was a different planet. Yeah, <laughs> it seems like an unlikely scenario to happen frequently enough that you have to carve things into the planet as, like, a fucking post-it note. but like here's my thing if you saw the planet exploded wouldn't someone go like wonder what happened here i mean probably yes and everything is like if you don't label things things get lost (laughs) like this is true office supply cabinet rules 
<laughs> it's a space label maker, what you want. Yes. You want a laser space maker. Okay. I just want, like, a laser printer. Just a real quick etch, like, exile planet. Don't come here. <laughs> so I will totally buy that Chekhov forgets that what the planet looked like. Because he's seen a lot of planets. He does a lot of traveling. I'll give you that one. But I just don't buy that he doesn't recognize the ship, right? Like, yeah. The, the the time that they encountered Khan was one of the most dangerous things that ever happened to them. You'd think it would be etched in his brain forever and ever. And instead, he's like walking through this ship being like, gee, this ship seemed very familiar to me. And then suddenly, like a bunch of people. I don't know what that dialect was. But it, was, it, was <laughs> it was not good. Not it was not good. It was not good. Uh, what, he's more like, Captain, this ship feels very familiar. Yeah, it's like borderline Dracula. Yeah, it is, it is a very Dracula-esque accent, yes. So that's he's walking around, and it's like, you'd think he'd notice, like, I once slept in this bunk here. Like, you'd think he would know that, but no, yeah, he doesn't. you should not. remember things. And instead, the grandfather from Spy Kids is here. <laughs> Wait, really? Yeah, he's in a wheelchair in the Spy Kids movies. Oh, that's a bummer. Except in the, the, the 3D one, which I only ever saw once, because it was, like, right at the end of my, like, Spy Kids time. They, like, had to go into a video game, and so Grandpa got to get out of his wheelchair because he was, like, zapped into a video game. Ah. I like Ricardo Montalban. I think this is, That's like, what a I cool... That's I know him I, as. He's a lovely actor, but I just know him as the grandfather in Spy Kids. I think he, uh, I think he's really a great bad guy in this movie. I, I think it's, like, a really solid... He, yeah. Th- We've mentioned this before, but to me, the best bad guys are right. And mm-hmm. him being like, you shouldn't have left a crew of people marooned on a planet forever and ever and never thought to check up on them or, what, or anything like that. Like, I realize you're putting us in jail, but there's a big difference between like, hey, you're in jail and hey, goodbye forever. And I'm going to come kill you for that. I is because like we totally will make a Chippendales and we will <laughs> fill it with my men. Exactly, exactly. He's very oiled up, Ricardo Montalban. No, that's a fact. The, I looked that <laughs> one up. The, what? Because I was looking through the trivia on this movie to see, and it was like most of uh, Khan's henchmen were Chippendales dancers. Really? That makes so much sense. Why none of them talk? Yes, they ne- there's no dialogue, and they're all shirtless. That's so, that's so funny. They look like the damn oh, Lost Boys from Hook. Yeah, they do, except shirtless and oily. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think he's really good. Like he, he's also a quiet villain, which I like more than a yelling guy. Cause the yelling guy is not as scary to me. I agree. So he's like, look, you trapped me here for 15 years. 15 is also not that long, buddy. Like, I feel like the show could, could have been like, could have been like, oh, he's been here for 50 years. That's like 15 years of solitary confinement. Your brain would turn to mush. He had a wife. He had, like, died? he had people there five years ago. So, like, she was there for a while. I I feel like 15 years on an inhospitable planet is, like, a pretty tough sentence. Mm. So he, he lays out his whole plan and is like, hey, we're going to kill you. Also, the way we're going to do it is this giant, tiny tremors worm that has a baby worm it's a really growing cool in its effect. back. Yeah, it's or like this cre- rather cool creature design. Yeah, it, like, comes out of the sand and is, like, all wriggling around. And then they, like, peel the back plates apart. And he pulls out the little baby versions, which are, like, eel, sluggy-looking things. And they put them in each of these guys' helmets. And then they put their helmets back on. And the creatures, like, wiggle into their ear. And he explains that it attaches to your brainstem and makes you very susceptible to suggestion. And then eventually kills you. But what I want to know is, like, 
what was that process like? Like, how did they figure that out? Yeah. Because I imagine it was like one dude got weirdly susceptible and they were like, why is what's happening to you? Why do you why are you doing everything I say? Why are you taking my jokes literally? Right. And then like afterward, did they just like slice people's heads open and see what was in there? Like, that seems like a crazy thing that they would have come across. Although in the movie, it does seem to be a rather short host period because eventually they like within a couple days, maybe a day. I couldn't tell the timeline in this movie is very weird. The the sluggies are just like, never mind, we're out of here, and you're allowed to live. Well, they kill one first, and then it makes the other one jump out of Chekhov, and I always assumed it was tied together. Oh, I didn't realize, I didn't get that they were tied. The, I, I mean, I was just, the movie certainly didn't tell us that. That no. was just my... Oh, God, it, no. I, just like, the guy offs himself, and then immediately the other one hops out of Chekhov's ear, so I just assumed there was some sort of, like, psychic link, but the movie certainly does not tell you. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also should have mentioned that the movie doesn't tell you what Genesis is or does for the first, I don't know, half hour, 45 minutes of this movie. Yeah, they just keep saying Genesis device over and over again. And it's like, I get from the name, you could possibly guess what it does. But holy crap, could you take a second and tell me? Because they keep being like, I will, I will take the Genesis project. And then he's like, we are taking Genesis project. And you're like, but what is it? <laughs> and then eventually they're like, oh, by the way, this is what this thing does. Beep, boop, 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 boop. And like, thank you. I've only been asking for that for 45 minutes. <laughs> so after Chekhov and Captain Terrell get their earworms, we cut back to Kirk reuniting with his one true love, the Starship Enterprise. And it's for reals, though. Yeah, no, it absolutely is. And he does like a short inspection of the crew and they're wearing the weirdest costumes. Like Star Trek costumes are generally kind of like weird space pajamas to begin with to steal Mm -hmm. a joke. That's not mine, but these things have this like weird donut target thing on the chest. Yeah. And then, uh, the scientists are wearing like the boy scientists is wearing like real high waisted gray pants. They're like up to his nipples. Star Trek always has really high pants. If you go watch the original series, they are like old man under the nipple height pants all the time. Why? I have no idea. Huh. Okay. So they launch the ship. Kirk like does the most cursory walkthrough. He's supposed to be doing this like big inspection and people are like, holy crap, it's the most famous admiral in the fleet. Like I get to meet him. And he just like strolls right by and is like, I'll be in my bunk with the women and the Romulan ale. Y'all launch the ship, would you? And just, like, has none of the time for the things he needs to do as a, as an admiral. And they're like, okay, okay, I guess. Okay, cool. Yeah. He's he's the definition of a guy who should not have been promoted out of his post and is just oh, no. furious about it. Later in, in, it might even be in the second movie, or in the remakes, rather, in the second remakes, there's, like, a very poignant scene where it's like, we've demoted you to Captain Kirk and he like smiles and stuff and it's like ah oh, back I where do. he belongs. I remember seeing that scene. Yeah. So Chekhov attempts to get the Genesis device. He he skypes with Captain Kirk's former lover and the mother to his child, Carol Marcus. Mm-hmm. David. Yeah, his son David. And uh real good dadden by the way there, Captain Kirk. Really, really solid dad work oh i guess he didn't know about like he later in the movie is like why didn't you tell me i had a son (laughs) because you're a weirdo and you talk like this she's like i thought you're too busy space boning to be a dad (laughs) and he's like accurate i mean 
accurate. Um, that is one of the big problems with this movie as a whole. You're talking about it being dry. Like, not only is it dry, but everyone talks so slowly. And it's not just uh, Shatner, who has, like, his whole career is based on him talking like a doofus. Everybody in this movie is, like, contemplating all of the syllables and every word they say. Like, you could watch this movie on one and a quarter speed, maybe one and a half speed, and you wouldn't notice. I literally have, if you put this movie at 1.2x, it would feel like a, a movie from 2018. Yes, because it's two almost two hours. Why is yeah, your what? feature-length film from your start your second feature-length film from the Star Trek movie series two hours? All right, the Marvel movies are all two hours. Some of them are almost three hours, and there's like a billion of those. So clearly, that is just how we do franchises in this country. It has to be Jesus. But, like, at least those have exciting... Like, this movie's exciting action is, like, two giant lumbering spaceships slowly... It's so bad. Slowly, like, floating in <laughs> on, like, a swirly background. And it's just, like, why? That's yeah. not exciting. At least space... I almost said Space Force. Jesus Christ. <laughs> you know, the Space Wars with the, with the woo-woo swords and stuff. You know, those movies he likes. The Space... Get him a Space War. Hey, hey, get him a Space War. Run him a Space War movie. Get him Chewbacca. Yeah, he, he loves that one. He loves that guy. He's like a big gerbil. Get him a gerbil. Get him one of the gerbils. He'll pretend to be, uh, to be a starfighter. Yeah, yeah, a, a um, double starfighter. Like that Star guy. In Star Wars, the, the battles are exciting. Like, it's like, oh, they're like zipping around. They're flying. They're shooting shit. Like, it's cool. And this is just like two humpback whales slowly <laughs> And you can't even be like, it was the time because Star Wars came out before this. Star Wars was first. <laughs> yeah. And if it's like, oh, we can't afford it, we don't have the budget for it, then do more punch fights. Like, those look fine. Yeah. Like, stop making me watch the humpback whales yet. <laughs> like, in two movies, I'll watch plenty of humpback whales. Were they humpbacks? I don't remember. Well, I think we'll so. say yes. Yeah. Don't at me. I don't care. Um, <laughs> the whales honestly swim more gracefully in part four than these ships move in part two. They do. Um, when, like, they could just beam aboard the ships and fight and shoot each other. Like, that's exactly. fine. Yep. Totally, totally fine. So, uh, Kirk sidles up to Kirstie Alley in this elevator, and it's, like, weirdly aggressive. Yeah, he's disgusting. But it's like, I don't even know, like, from a movie standpoint, like, this is your hero character, and he looks, it's gross. Like, she looks uncomfortable being next to him, and you can tell that between takes, Shatner was like, hey, Kirstie Alley, you want to come see my trailer? And she was like, absolutely not, you're 140 years old. <laughs> and and then they like, all right, and action! Like, <laughs> clearly, it was just before this scene, because she looks revolted by his very presence uh why did she not have weird eyebrows you already asked this question in this podcast i don't know no, how no, many times did the, you take the eyebrows that's why she didn't cry or why she cried um, no i said all vulcans have those eyebrows and you're like not kirstie alley why doesn't um, she have them we literally had that right. conversation in this recording drop, dro session drop that in as a flashback <laughs> that's never happened before are you okay did you have a head injury 
It's not like we uh, talked about that 20 episodes ago or two years ago. We had that conversation less than 48 minutes ago. I get it. I just happened to write the note now. Like, the note came at this point in my notes. So you Ron Burgundied it? <laughs> yeah, I didn't think. So check off Skypes with Carol Marcus and the connection's all breaking up. I, I started talking about that, then I got sidetracked and we talked about the elevator. It's fine. Nobody's missed anything, we're, I promise. We're, we're really looping around. But the connection's like all breaking up and Carol Marcus is the only intelligent person in this movie is like, I'm not giving you the device. Screw you. Like, I don't know. Well, on whose authority? Tell me who gave this order. And he's like, Captain Kirk. She's like, well, I'll call him in just a minute because I have his cell phone number because he's my baby daddy. Boop, 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 boop. <laughs> So she Skypes with him and she's like, "Who? why are you doing this? And he's like, I didn't do that. I don't know what you're talking about. And the connection's like all fuzzy, duzzy, fuzzy. So we finally are like, oh, we got to go intervene. We'll go to where Carol Marcus is and figure out what the deal is. Oh, by the way, here's what a Genesis device is. And then we take like a good five minutes to explain it. Like, finally. Like the movie should, I feel like the movie should have opened with an explanation of the Genesis device. A thousand percent. And then like, Cut to, like, it would have been, like, Carol Marcus explaining the Genesis device, and then it's revealed that it's her giving her, like, presentation to the council or whatever the hell they're called. That was literally what I was about to say. And, right, like, and it'd be, like, thank you, like, you are appointed, Dr. Carol Marcus, and your hot son. You can go make this (laughs) device in the far reaches of space while we look for empty planets. And uh, we'll give you a, a member of the Enterprise crew. Let's see here. Kirk, no. Spock, no. Bones, no. Uhura, no. Scotty, no. Sulu, no. You want a Chekhov? How about a che- <laughs> We'll give you a Chekhov. I wish it had been Uhura, but then she would have to get brain slugged. I mean, more Uhura and not less is always a good formula for me. She's like a really underused part of this cast. I agree, but I don't want to see her get brain slugged. Well, I don't want to see anybody like brain slugged. It's extremely gross and uncomfortable. It is. So we get our first space fight here, and I use that term very loosely because, as we've just described, it's like two whales easing themselves into a bathtub. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, but it is a, like a head-on collision that's happening, and then Khan is like, they're going to think that we're a friendly ship, and as soon as they get close, we'll blast the hell out of them. Which plot twist works. Right, and it's like just goofy and even to the point where i spent like a second googling like why wouldn't the shields always be up and apparently in like other star trek stuff they've like retconned it to be where you can't just roll around full shields up one because it's like walking around with your fists up all the time like ready to punch people which is kind of psycho and two and they're like their whole deal is their whole deal is peace like they they're the united federation of planets we're here to to make contact not to have fights and secondly, that the ships just don't have enough power to keep the shields up all the time, which is like feels like a solvable problem. Oh, I you know what we could do. <laughs> I can carry around a device that charges my iPhone four times. <laughs> Your spaceship can't do that. Also, you literally have a device in this ship powerful enough to bend the fabric of space in order to move places at hyperspeed. So, like. I believe that we could just say that we solved the battery problem in 2350 or yes. whatever. It only takes triple A's. They're hard to come by. Exactly. So Khan attacks the ship, but he needs the Genesis plan. So he's like trying to keep the ship intact, but not functional. Uh, meanwhile, it just gets blasted all to hell. And Kirk is like doing a little bit of Kirk stuff. It's actually my favorite part of the movie from Kirk. 
I just like whispering in front of a video screen works. Well, he said he said to lower the communications channel. I think he's still. <laughs> it just seems so stupid. It's like on a Skype call. It's like if your mom is on a Skype call and she's like, "Oh, your aunt got fat," and she's like, "I can hear you." <laughs> Well, it's no. See, what it would be would be your aunt is yammering on, and your mom hits the mute button, and then she says your aunt got fat, and then your aunt is like, "I saw you guys. What were you talking about? Like, I obviously know something is up now." Yeah, I'm. I wish it had. I wish it had been like Kirk covers the camera, and keeps talking. <laughs> and he's like, "That doesn't. That's not what that does." <laughs> Uh, yeah, that would have been sweet. But instead, he like knows some secret passcode they can use to just take the shields down on the other ship, which is just gibberish nonsense. It's one of a thousand effing moments in this stupid movie <laughs> where, like, if I had watched the show like a mega nerd, I would understand things. Like later when they're like, oh, beam us out, even though you were supposed to have flown away because there was a secret code that no one knew about until just now. Yeah, I that... I. I've seen this movie before and I didn't remember that part. I was like, I don't remember them being stuck on a planet for a while. That's weird. All right. And then it was like, Oh, just kidding. That was our secret passcode. You know, like when you were a kid and they would, the, the, the stranger danger stuff was like, all right, give the, give your kids a code word so that when someone picks them up, who's not you, you can be like, what's the password? And they'll be like Dilophosaurus. And then they can know that they're safe. Oh, speaking of dinosaurs, real quick segue. The Brachiosaur, I'm going to spoil Jurassic World for a second. Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. <laughs> Are you going to talk about the part with the boat? Yes. Okay, How we could just, we could just say Brachiosaur. that. Brachiosaur. Wait, from what? The first Jurassic Park. It's supposed to be the first Brachiosaur that Sattler and and Wait, really? Seen. How do yes. you know that? That's what he said in an interview. That's why it rears up in the exact same way as the first Brachiosaur. Wow, that's ridiculous. It is like a really that part of the movie. Like I hate Jurassic... I was so upset. I was so upset by that part of the movie. <laughs> I didn't know you had seen it. I feel like we should talk yes. about it in, at the end of this episode, maybe because I have some thoughts about it that I would oh, like yeah, to we share. Can, so we maybe, can back to the we'll just do a little tag on at the end of this for Jurassic World. Yeah, no, that's very weird that that did that. It's sad. It hurts my heart. Yeah, I did not know that. Anyway, speaking of sad things, so they like shoot Khan and they like get away a little bit. And then the elevator opens and Scotty walks in with just like a burnt husk of a human and is like, we need some medical assistance. So, but everyone reacts like it's someone I'm supposed to friggin' know. Exactly. I just like, I, I literally was like, was looking like, at a crane in my neck, like, who's that? No, no, nobody. I thought it was David Marcus for a second. I was like, wait, how did he get on the ship? As like, am I supposed to know who this person is? <laughs> and then we cut to the sick bay. And there's, like, all these people with, like, head bandages, and they're all, like, like, laying all over the floor and stuff. And Kirk walks into the room where the burnt corpse person was, and he, like, rears up and grabs Kirk's lapel. And he's like, Captain, permission, permission to, to go aboard? And he's like, permission granted. And then this guy just dies. <laughs> like He, like, this... waited for his approval to yes! die? Yes, he seriously so did. Yes. And then... In the best piece of acting in this whole movie, Scotty looks wrecked by this. Like, wrecked. Like, his mm-hmm. dad got killed in his arms. Wrecked. It's amazing. It's, like, the best performance that he has in the whole series and everything is this, like, one just, like, r- crushing moment of this guy dying. Who, again, nobody knows who this guy is. It's beautifully dumb. 
So then they beam down to the laboratory where the Genesis project was being created. And it's just a bucket full of corpses. It well not 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 at first. At first it's the movie Alien. Yes, true. It is the movie Alien. And I was like, why can't this be a xenomorph? I wish this was a xenomorph. Like, first, it'll just slaughter these three. It'll kill Captain Kirk real quick, jump onto the Enterprise, slaughter all them, then go over to the Captain Khan ship and be like, oh, hey, by the way, I'm going to eat you with my tiny mouth. <laughs> and then Uhura is like, get away from her, you bitch. Uhura's <laughs> 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 in the power lifter. Yes, exactly. I'm here for it. She's finally put pants on. <laughs> yeah, she finally got them she to issue her a some, pair of she pants. She stole a man's pants and was <laughs> yes. like, huh. Ridiculous. Also, where did the rat come? Like, there was a rat on the spaceship, and I was like, where? Where was that from? What rat? What are you talking about? As they're walking around the spaceship, the part where it feels like the xenomorphs are waiting in the ceiling. Oh, it's not a spaceship. It's a space station. Either way, where did the rat come? Like, rats in no, our I, world I come I, from sorry, the outside. I, it's, it's on a planet. It's not a space station. It's, it's like a planet? A, I thought so, yeah. I thought it was, like, floating out in space. Maybe I'm but, wrong. I, I thought it was, like, a research vessel on the planet. I'm not 100% sure. Hold on. Because, like, in our world, rats come from the outside. <laughs> but in space, <laughs> rats can't come <laughs> from the outside. I'm picturing rats in, like, tiny rat spacesuits. Like, <laughs> it's like Rizzo like, from Muppets. Yeah, yes. Rizzo just, like, clings to the side of a ship and, like, scurries into a vent. <laughs> also, uh, I don't mean to be a downer, but, like, we have window technology in the year 2018. Did we just forego all window technology on our spaceships in the future? What do you mean? Everything is is video screens. So they're like, we can't possibly see because the communication's disrupted. What about <laughs> giant glass? What it's about transparent glass? aluminum. Don't you remember Star Trek Four? It was like a very important episode of this program. Either way, like there's still options. <laughs> Uh, Regula 1 is a Federation scientific research laboratory orbiting the planet Regula. So you are right. There's no reason for a rat to be there. Okay. Because I think they take, they find out that they've taken the the Genesis onto the planet. Because he says, I'm going to strand you on a planet like you did me. Right. Anyways. So they beam down and they find the thing. David fights his dad. Um, he punches the kid real good. It's like a yeah. good, solid punch. I mean, he doesn't know it's his kid, but still, you punched your kid. Yeah, it's going to be tough to, like, come deal with later. It's like, why did you never come to my birthday party? Also, you punched <laughs> me in the mouth the first time we met. It's, like, a hey. lot to unpack. Hey, pass me some dark meat. Also, you punched me in the face that one time. <laughs> so, meanwhile, uh, Captain Terrell and Chekhov show up, and they seem like they're okay for, like, a second, and then quickly they pull guns out and are like, all right, we'll be taking that Genesis device with us. And Terrell gets, like, a nice little moment here where he... That's the thing about... Um, I immediately cut myself off. But that's the thing about these <laughs> movies is, like, like when you're watching, like, okay, we got the original cast, and we know those people are untouchable. So we got to just, like, fill the roster out with cannon fodder because, like, people are going to have to die for this movie to have stakes. And in order to do that, we just got to have these nameless nobodies. And so they're like, this is Captain Sorrell. And Chekhov seems to like the guy. But it's like, I don't know who this is. I met him 45 minutes ago. It's not a big emotional impact when he's like, I can't kill Captain Kirk. And he commits suicide instead. Like, I just, Mm -hmm. I don't know who he is. Like, I half expected Kirstie Alley to die. Yeah, no, for sure. She's like, she would have been like, scream. It would have been like, scream. She'd have been a little too famous to die, I think. No, this is like her first big thing. 
Really? This is like pre all the movies or the television stuff? I think so. That's what I thought. I mean, it would make sense. The 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 non original cast people who end up in these movies is pretty wild over the course of things. Uh, what's his name from Ferris Bueller is in one of them. Oh, you're um, right. This was her big break, so that does make sense uh, that she would she could have easily been cannon fodder, but she wasn't. So this guy commits suicide. The worm wiggles out of Chekhov's ear, and they shoot it. And then Khan is like, "Well, enjoy yourself on that planet." And that's where we get the real famous Khan scream. He- he also says, you'll be buried alive like I was. And I was like, I missed that part where they Rita repulsed you. Rita repulsed? They buried yeah. Rita Repulsa alive? That's pretty dark for a children's that's, show. That's how the whole series started. She came out of like a manhole on the moon. Oh. And she was like, now it's time to conquer Earth. I'm free. <laughs> that's how literally every episode started. Because that was the I see. Song. I see. She came out of a manhole and pointed at the Earth. <laughs> uh, so... Kirk is like, I'm starving. Is there anywhere to eat? And Bones gives like the best line of, of the movie to me where he's like, how can you think of food at a time like this? And there's like some real disgust in it. Almost like it's really aimed at Shatner. I have a lot of theories about everybody hating William Shatner on these movies. I've noticed just now that it seems that all of my working theories are that he's an insufferable idiot, which is probably true. I think it's probably a little true. Yeah, like, all the reviews of Galaxy Quest from original Star Trek people are like, got Shatner right. <laughs> really? I'm pretty sure, yeah. I, I need to rewatch that. It's the second best Star Trek movie. It's so good. So they're like, okay, we'll show you our food storage area. And he's like, all right, what's that about? And she's like, oh, I think you'll like it. And then they, like, have this entire terraformed cave that they did testing on. It's just, like, this ridiculous... It's like uh, it's a matte painting Peter Pan cave. Yes. I was going to say like in the Jules Verne story, uh, Journey to the Center of the Earth, yeah. where it's just like this lush green space. I think that's why I thought they were on a planet, because it doesn't make a whole lot of sense for them to have terraformed think, the inside of a cargo bay. You know what I mean? So I think the rat was on the spaceship and then they because that's what they beamed somewhere. And my, I was like, how how do they know they don't need like helmets where they're beaming? Because they're not putting on helmets to beam they 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 hardly ever did that on the original show pretty much every planet they encountered was human breathable cool fine you don't put helmets on the famous people that dude they still don't put helmets. friggin that's my beef with every superhero movie like spider-man takes his mask off every 85 seconds it's like hey i get that you're paying money for that actor but holy cow stop it i don't think they do that anymore they did that a lot the the third spider-man like with the toby Maguire, he just like never had his mask on right but I don't remember. I didn't see Spider-Man Homecoming. I just didn't care. I watched it on like Stars or HBO or one of those. And that was like exactly the right amount of time to devote to it, I think. Mm-hmm. I like Tom Holland. I think he's attractive. I would bone Tom Holland. He's, he's a great Peter Parker and a fun Spider-Man. I just like I, don't. I just don't care. I, I also enough love Spider-Man. He, he can't not spoil something. Like apparently he's, he was friends with the director of Jurassic World and he casually told him the plot of Jurassic World, and he instantly went to Chris Pratt during event, event, Avengers and was like, hey, Chris Pratt, here's the plot of Jurassic World. <laughs> I've heard that about him, too. There's the point where they just didn't give him all the script pages. No, he didn't He didn't get a script for Avengers. Right. They just didn't get They were like, here are your lines. We're not telling you who you're talking to. <laughs> you just have the other person then speaks. You don't know who you're talking to. <laughs> yeah. That seems tough to act. But hey, if you can't prove you're responsible, I get it. Anyway, Kirk and Carol Marcus have a bit of a chit-chat, 
and they reveal that Kirk cheated on the Kobayashi Maru, and then they, like, do some nonsense down here, and eventually he, like, gives the secret passage word, and they beam them back aboard the ship, which is, like, again, one of those things where... It happens a lot in, like, heist movies, too, where it's, like, oh, I'm going to explain the plan to you, and then either, like... you have to edit it in such a way that you don't have to hear the plan two times because that's boring as an audience member. Yeah. So there's a lot of these like, whoop, out of nowhere, we planned this thing and didn't tell you. So that's sort of what it felt like to me. Okay, fair. So they end up having another space fight, which is even more boring because like they show a diagram of it and it literally looks like a person chasing someone around a table, except it's a planet in the middle. <laughs> and like they like... They go into this zone that apparently knocks out your transmissions and your targeting and your shields. Like, this was like a place that shouldn't exist. (laughs) It's space static. It's a lot of interference. But why does space static knock down your shields? If your shields can be taken down by space (laughs) static, then they're not good shields. I wasn't saying your thing was bad. I was just giving you the nonsense reason they put in the movie, which is that it's space shields or space static. Yeah, because they're like, oh, we can't target anything because our video screens are down. You know what? We invented something real cool called glass. <laughs> also, there's targeting systems that don't rely on like visual aids that have been invented now and had been invented in the 60s. Well, I'm just talking about like ships and, and airplanes have like lock-on and stuff. Yeah. So Spock is like... He's playing two-dimensional checkers. You should play three-dimensional space chess. And Kirk is like, oh, that's a great idea. No, he doesn't. Do this. Literally, he, he says he seems to be using a two-dimensional strategy. And I was like, what, what, Spock? Like, he's just really boring about war? And I was like, oh, no, he meant effing literal, and I hate everything now. <laughs> well, to be fair, Khan has spent the last 15 years trapped on a planet, so thinking of space maneuvers probably wasn't high on his list fair except he's, everyone knows how to fly a goddamn spaceship apparently yeah it is very easy for people to pick up on a ship when they haven't been inside one in a decade and a half like how no i have no idea if i would if i didn't drive my car i didn't drive my car for six months in florida and i still came back and was like okay let me just get re acclimated here for a second <laughs> so the uh, enterprise crew scores some major hits on Khan's crew and like his ship is all jacked up and he's pretty wounded and he just like starts crawling to the bomb and he's or to the Genesis device and is like, well, I'm going to blow us all up. See you suckers and slaps the button at which I point, mean, Hey, if you're going to go, if you got to go out, you got to go out. No, no, I, I, I dig it. But at which point they're like, oh, we don't have enough power and speed to get away from this thing. So Spock goes like running. That's my favorite thing about the Star Trek cast is like, there's no reason for Spock to have the knowledge to be able to fix this, that he would go running in. It like, you're just no. in the way. Leave the engine guy to do the engine. And the fact that the doctor is down there, too, is like, why is the doctor assisting the engine crew? Leave them alone. Stay in the sick bay where you belong. But... I have no idea what exactly Spock was doing. I just know he, like, I was like, visually, he's like taking the lid off something and doing something else. But I don't know what he, what it meant in the world. Well, they do explain that they need to, like, maneuver something, but they can't because of the radiation and it's too powerful for their suits. So Spock, like, does the Vulcan nerve pinch to Bones and then does the remember this memory implanter thing to him. And then he runs in there and basically sacrifices himself by getting radiation poisoned to death, which like the amount of radiation in this room, like basically turns him into a candle. 
That must mm-hmm. be the worst way to die of all the ways to go. Well, he wanted something dramatic. That's the only reason he came back. They were like, yeah, we'll he- kill you off dramatically. And he was like, fine, presumably as he threw glitter in the air. And then two years later, they're like, hey, we want you back. And he's like, okay. <laughs> but only if I can wear a bathrobe in the one after this one. And also, I want to start directing them. And they're like, we don't care. Sure. No, they, they didn't. Yeah, he got to direct two of them. So he's basically melting. They have this really nice moment between Spock and Kirk where, you know, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. This is the best thing that could happen. I'm going to save all your lives by sacrificing my own. You know, I, I was and always shall be your friend. It's, it's like a really nice moment, especially because there's a real chance people didn't think there was going to be any more Spock after this. Yeah. Obviously, two years later, another movie, more Spock. But I don't think at the time they know it. So this was probably pretty emotionally impactful. Yeah. Cut to 2018, where we're like, watch. We watched half the Avengers die in Infinity War, and we're like, all right, they're coming back. Yeah, exactly. Like, and I, even, I get it; they're dead now, but like, they're coming back. I even made that same analogy when we were on uh, Everything Is Awesome a couple of weeks ago, where I was like, this is basically now going to be the search for Spock, which is just a different movie that I haven't seen them do. Yeah, we get the the second most famous part of this movie after Khan the scream is this eulogy that Kirk gives for Spock, which is really nice. sunglasses case. Yeah, they do put him in a sunglasses case to shoot him into space. And Shatner's been in a lot of stuff, a lot of movies, a lot of TV, a lot of spoken word record albums. It's true. It's a thing. I know. His best performance of his whole career is the 10 seconds where he's like, of all the souls I've met in my travels, his was the most... Human. Human. Is the, it's fabulous. Like, it's, it's so good that you're like, where did this come from? Because you're not a good actor. Did they have Chris Pine do the same thing for Zachary Quinto? They didn't. They, they changed it. Uh, Kirk dies in that one. Oh. Well, did they flip it? I, they didn't do the same exact speech, no. Who got, who's, is, uh, is, is Quinto the captain now? Um, no. Uh, they do some sort of oh that's what it is they discover that i had to look it up they discover that khan's blood has regenerative properties which is why khan looks so young even though he's like a billion years old and so they inject kirk with khan's blood and that's what saves him i hate it (laughs) so it's the same khan from so the khan from this movie is the khan in the new movie right i think so Nonsense. No, I think I mean I think it's I think it's like different timeline con because it's uh it's Benedict Cumberbatch. Obviously. Cumberbatch? Yes. That that's actually the I forgot about this. The end of Into Darkness, the Star Trek 2 2 is like Spock is like chasing him through a city with Ahura, I think, and they're like fist fighting and stuff, and and Spock is about to like throw him off a truck and Uhura is like, no, we need his blood. And he just like Vulcan nerve pinch knocks him out and they, uh, they seal Khan into like a pod and put him into cold storage. So they can just use his blood when they need it. They put all of Khan's crew was in cold storage that in the, in into darkness, that's how it comes up is like he got accidentally thawed out sort of. Uh, Okay. It's stupid. We should talk about this dumb movie instead of that dumb movie. <laughs> so they launch off the space, and that should be the very end of the movie, by the way. It, it should, should end have... with like the pod like lands on the thing, and then the, the credits come up. But instead, we have David come in for a chat, and they're like, 
watching this happen out the window of the bridge and are like talking about it being like bright and and spectacular and i'm just like well who is this for the nerds have already cried themselves asleep in the theater yeah like i want to go home i want this to be over please stop so obviously spock on the planet is a sequel set up and a movie we will probably not do for this podcast but star trek 3 also lighter than this one i don't mind it I just I, I can't remember. That's the problem. And like well, then I you can pre-watch it. No way. Nah, I'm not taking that risk. If I have to watch something terrible, it will be for a purpose and it is usually for this show. Yeah, usually. Uh final thoughts? It's not bad, but it's not great. I just it's so long. It is long and slow and a little tedious and it's very mired down in the like lore Meyer down like Nicholas Meyer the director I hate you so much <laughs> well, uh, hey he directed volunteers another another show that we've done on this show fine but yes um i, I would I, I don't know that i would watch it again without alcohol <laughs> i don't think this is a good movie to drink to i think you'd fall asleep i think you would be like Which, this like, would be a great me. nap you know yeah cuddle up have a beer fall asleep yeah, I'm not. I'm not wild about this one. I, as I've said before, Star Trek with the one with the whales is is by far the best way to spend your time in the Star Trek universe to me. It is. It's it's all the, the performances are excellent. The the stuff's really good. I it's just totally the one to to spend your time with. I think. Um, and I like uh, like there's a bunch of episodes of the original show that I enjoy, but uh, I think the movies are by and large pretty dull. So yeah, I also would not recommend this one, even though I'm the trekkier of the two of us. This is only the second time I've seen this movie, so I think I like reevaluated a lot about it this time. <laughs> Which is to say, it's not very good, gang. It's not very good. Uh, even though people think this is the best Trek movie, I disagree. I think it's. I think it's probably I mean, compared to the like. This is probably like great in comparison. Like I remember watching Star Trek: The Motion Picture and being like, "Oh my god, what are we doing?" Even drier and slower than this. I get. I mean, if you're a Trekkie and like that's your jam, no, no shame in that. But like, I get in, coming from that scope. Yes, this is great. I'm not a Trekkie, and this is just. Ugh, I don't know things. I don't <laughs> yeah. want to know things. Yeah, it doesn't. It does not hold your hand at all for like understanding what the hell is going on if you're not already coming in. And that's as what a I want. Fan. Just like a little hand, like guide me in a direction. Yes. Like I don't know what this project is. I don't know who Khan is. I don't know shit. Right. And I, 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 you have to like assume that there are people who are coming to see this movie who do not know this. Like, how is yeah, this? moms? Yeah, exactly. Treat me like a mom. Exactly. I barely know what the Kuchi Kobe Mitsubishi test is. Kobayashi Maru, you monster! Thank you all for listening to the show. Uh, quickly before we jump out of here, uh, don't forget to rate the show on iTunes or. Tell two and no, not or and tell two friends about the show. If you review it on iTunes, we will read it on the air. Uh, special thanks to Michelle, who recently bumped up to be our first $10 a month pledge on Patreon. If you thank you, thank you, thank you. If you do a year at the $10 level, you get to pick an episode. And right now, we have not been intelligent enough to limit that. So Get in now before we wise up and realize that we're going to have to limit that lest we just do all programmed by listener episodes and not get to that do the show on our own anymore. So what if she makes us do something again? She's like, I didn't like the way you talked about this movie. 
You're going to well, do I, it again. We did set it up that you have to give us three options, so I guess you could theoretically pick three movies we've already done, but that seems like a very odd choice. Although, hey, I, you know what? I would do it if somebody asked for it. As yeah. long as, Please don't make it all Wrath of Khan. No, hang on. I feel like there's one movie that I, I know I wouldn't want to do again, but I'm, I can't think of it on the tip of my tongue. Oh, man. There's a few that we've both really, really hated over the years that I would not... uh, Parasite 3D, you probably wouldn't want to watch again. No, that's not a good one. Yeah, I don't think that one, either of us, would would be a a big favorite. Uh, Youngblood, also probably a toughie to do, to, to redo. Anyway... Thank you so much, Michelle. We really appreciate that. If you would like to support the show, jump onto Patreon, find a tier that works for you, and get on the supporters bus. That's what I'll call it, the supporters bus. We really appreciate yeah. uh, all of our Patreon supporters and all the people who listen to this show, so thank you. Find more of us at dissectingthe80s.com, at facebook.com slash dissectingthe80s, and twitter.com slash dissectthe80s. Slightly different there. We'd love to hear from you, so don't hesitate to chime in and uh, say hello to us. You can also email us at dissectingthe80s at gmail.com. Next up is August, our anniversary month. We're coming up on the end of season four of the show, although we don't take a break. We just we, we do delineate it by the anniversary date. And our next episode will be coming to you on August 13th with Inner Space. In honor of the Meg. Get it? <laughs> Thank you all for listening to the show. I've been Trip Lano. I will always be Andrew Lano. Until August 13th. Don't you forget about me. Do you want to do, do Jurassic it. World real quick? Yeah. Okay. Uh, hated the first Jurassic World. Like, I thought it was a trash garbage movie. And I really enjoyed the hell out of this. I didn't hate the first one. I'm like, I, I was like, this is fun and dumb. Which is what I've come to, like, the first one is not fun. The first one is beautiful art, and I will fight you if you disagree with me. Everything after that is just fun and dumb, and this was no exception. I, I recently rewatched so Jurassic Park on the other night, like, to go to sleep, and I fell asleep pretty early in it. And I fell asleep, I like, I got through the part where they see the, the brontosaurus, and then I fell asleep, and then I woke up at the T-Rex rampage, and I was like, this is the perfect way to watch Jurassic Park. <laughs> like, for the 29th viewing of, like, you watch the beginning, and then you sleep, and then you wake up for T-Rex monstrosity, like, mwah. But, uh, the, honestly, the best part about Jurassic World 2 is it's just, like, the second, it's, first of all, it's two completely different movies. It looks like they had two scripts, and they just, like, Frankenstein monstered them yeah. together. But the part when they get off the island and go to the mansion is, like insane 1950s b-movie mustache twirling insanity with just like hey we're going to buy ourselves a dinosaur (laughs) i liked it though i did too i thought it was amazing but it's like so for us weird dorks and not for the mainstream public yeah it was also very because like obviously the the t-rex in this movie is supposed to be the t-rex from the first movie right like that's been a through line and i love that like i imagine the way she acts in this movie I imagine she's just like a grizzled old drag queen who's like uh-huh. like teaching a new crop of queens like what to do. She's like like at one point as they're all all the dinosaurs are running away from like the lava, one of the the carnivores stops like trying to attack someone and the T-Rex comes over and like bites him. He's like knock it off. Keep running towards the ocean. <laughs> yeah. I, honestly, it reminded me of like Unforgiven where it's like the old cowboy out for one last job and the T-Rex <laughs> is just like lumbering its way through stuff. 
but there's a couple things in this movie that I want to call out as like amazing, stupid shit, stupid stuff. The one is Chris Pratt getting shot with a tranquilizer dart and passing out and then waking up with lava like inches from him. And mm-hmm. movies do this all the time, but lava is really hot, like to the <laughs> point where the air around it would burn your lungs and you would die. Like Chris Pratt would have been dead already because he would have burned his lungs to pieces. He would have and, roasted. He would have yeah. roasted from the inside out. Yes. But he is tranquilized and is like coming alive fingertip by fingertip. And so he's like flopping his corpse around on this log. <laughs> it's, it's so stupid. So looking, stupid. Yeah, it's really super duper dumb. And then the sequence right after that where they're like trapped underwater in the bubble and it takes mm-hmm. them like 10 minutes to bust out of this stupid thing is so crazy. It didn't need to be that long. I agree. But you know what else I didn't need? I didn't need to watch the dinosaurs plummeting to their death in the water. <laughs> yes, with the little like, legs kicking as they go. It was like, so you know dark. What? Guess what the people who come to see Jurassic World love? Dinosaurs. Guess what we don't want to watch get murdered slowly? Dinosaurs. The brontosaurus was the worst part because it's like standing on that dock and then it rears back on its back legs like, oh, its feet just touched the lava. And then it's like hopping left foot to foot to try to stop being burnt before it just collapses. It's so dark. And then I found out in an interview, like I said before, that's the same brachiosaur that Ellie Sattler and Alan Grant saw. The the lifespan of these dinosaurs is a little far fetched, I think. Perhaps. Yeah, I mean, it's because it is it is supposed to be the same time. Like it's been yeah, so it's, it's twenty five like years. years. Yeah. Um. Although I guess like in a perfect environment, animals live much longer. They do. They do. But uh, it just seems a little silly. I also love the sequence right before that where these guys like abandon a truck for some reason, and Bryce Dallas Howard jumps into this truck. And floors it with Chris Pratt and the other guy. And they jump off the dock into the boat and nobody notices. Nobody it's like says a, jack shit. Everyone's like, guys. <laughs> there was an empty spot on the boat and then a truck leapt into the air and filled it. And everyone's just like, huh, I thought Let's we... Let's watch uh... this melt. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it's really stupid. Um, I did appreciate... I, if, Here's the thing. I don't care for Bryce Dallas Howard. That's not a secret. Um, didn't hate her in this movie. Yeah, I didn't either. I actually enjoyed the the part everyone is clowning on this the most for is in the trailer where like she is in the T-Rex truck thing and then Chris Pratt's in it too and he has to like jump through the jaws of the T-Rex and people mm-hmm. are like, the T-Rex would chomp down and get that. And I'm like, well, they have it on drugs and it's old. Like, I'll, I'll let that one slide. <laughs> it's like, a grizzled old queen. Yeah, and it's it's high as a kite. She's going like, to wear flats. It's okay. Yeah, yeah. She's old. Yeah. Versus uh, in the first Jurassic World where, like, Bryce Dallas Howard outruns it in high heels. Like, that's that that one I couldn't I couldn't let go. I couldn't Although get over it. someone did mention, they were like, yeah, except it's been in captivity its whole life, 23 years. So it probably doesn't know its own speed yet. And it's yeah, probably, that's probably like true. old and weak. So I was like, okay, I'll give it that she could have kept her own. I don't think she would have outrun it. She wouldn't have paced it. Yeah. She would have lapped a T-Rex. This movie also takes like a lot of time in showing you Bryce Dallas Howard's feet and what she's wearing. And it's definitely a fuck you to people like me. There's like five or six shots of this movie that are aggressively showing you her feet. 
I didn't notice that. And not in like a Tarantino way, but in a way of like, (laughs) (laughs) look, she's wearing boots. Look, she's wearing shoes. Because like the first shot that you see her in this movie is like feet to head and it's high heels and then up to the top of her head, like where she's giving dialogue. And then later you see her again wearing much more sensible footwear. Mm hmm. But yeah, I, I enjoy the hell out of it. Like, it's very stupid. It's incredibly, incredibly dumb. And uh, I'm honestly most curious to see about the uh, the little girl in it. So I feel really dumb. Okay. Because wh- at first when they were like, you look just like your mother, my- your mother, your mother, your mother. And she wasn't allowed to look at pictures of her. I was like, is it like Ellie Sattler? Is it Lex? That's what like- I kept thinking too. Yeah. Like, is it going to be some weird thing where like... Lex was his daughter, but also somehow, like, Hammond called her a grand... I don't know what's happening. Right, right, right. And then when they finally revealed it, it was like, you and your mother. And it was her and the maid. And I was like, the maid was her mother? That's a weak twist. Yeah. And then I was like, oh. And then when she was like, I raised both of them. I was like, I'm confused. And it literally took to him saying, she's a clone, for me to be like, oh, She's well, a clone. The thing that I think is really interesting is there's a couple scenes where they show this little girl like hunting, sort of like when mm-hmm. the the dinosaurs are loose in the thing, and she moves like a raptor. And I am so here for a version of this movie where this child is part raptor, and then <sighs> she and Chris Pratt have to do like raptor fights, and like I. That's why like, she and Chris Pratt got along. Yeah, and like. I'm not kidding. Turn the stupid dial all the way up. Break the knob off. Like, take stupid, twist it as high as it goes, and then keep twisting until it snaps off in your hands. That's what these movies should be now, because they're all stupid. Like, you You're made not going to make a good one anymore. No. So, what I want from the next movie is, this is, my, this is my pitch. If you're listening, Universal Pictures, I'm available. All of these bad guys who bought these dinosaurs have managed to because the the problem that they set up at the end of this movie would be over in 20 minutes there's like 11 various loose dinosaurs it would be it be done five minutes they, they'd send in the military because yeah, the, the movie is basically like hey everyone dinosaurs are in your world now don't hurt yeah. them bye yeah. and it's yeah, like it, that's not how that works no we would be sending the navy after the mosasaurus and we'd be sending the marines and the the air force and everybody else after all the other land dinosaurs and in like a month there would be no more of them we would hunt them to death and that would be the end but what i want from the next movie is all these like rich crazy people are like all right i saw these dinosaurs get loose and rampage so now i know what they can do and i want one and Mm -hmm. bd wong is making like super predators like the movie predator type predators and the only way to defeat them is chris pratt and the half raptor girl with a pack of raptors as like the elite fighting force that gets dropped in to hunt down the other dinosaurs and so it's pratt like like, I went on a saddle on the back of Blue, like, leading the charge with a sword. I was sword. so mad that no one rode a dinosaur in this I movie. know! That's kind of stupid. Like, when yes. he was like, oh, you guys, like, when the thing closed without him, I was like, oh, he's going to jump on the back of a fucking Triceratops, and he's exactly. just going to book it. Yes, that's what I wanted, him holding that little, like, like horn, a horn thing. thing. Yeah, and just, like, broom, broom, broom. But I want Pratt and the little girl as, like, the super, the super raptors, Leading the charge and so fighting other dinosaurs. So you want the movie dinosaurs. Logan, but with Chris Pratt yes. as a little girl? A little girl who's half raptor. Like, I want her the to be... The little girl in Logan is a, is a mutant, so yes. yes. Yeah, I know. I'm just saying, I want her to be like... And the raptor's, like, charging after her. Like, I want her speaking raptor. I want, like, full-on stupid. Because there is a version... What's that? 
and then Blue gets jealous. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Pratt is like, Pratt gets jealous too, actually. Okay, I'm here for it. But there was a version that floated around, like, what the original Jurassic Park 4 was going to be, and it was human-dinosaur hybrids, like, firing guns and stuff. And if yeah. they were just, like, slow-playing to get to that, give it to me. I, I would go see that two times. I would go see that for free mm-hmm. on Movie Pass, and then again with my <laughs> yeah, own Yeah, I was going to say, I would watch the Movie Pass and then pay for it again. Yeah, I want, I want Chris Pratt riding a dinosaur with a machine gun on his arm and then charging after something. And you know what? Let's go a step further. The T Rex is on the team too. I want the T Rex charging in. I want him riding orders. the T Rex. <laughs> that seems impossible, but yes, I want that too. Oh, that's where the line gets drawn for these. No, no, no. Movies. I just mean from a standpoint, like where would you put the saddle? You wouldn't. You'd have to put it on top of its head or something. Where would it? Where no, would no, you the sit? The saddle goes like right where the shoulder blades would be. I know, and, but like, you wouldn't be able to see over its head. No, it's like it's like a heart. I mean, you would have to like. <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. From a, like Chris Pratt will be able to see, whereas if he's on blue, he could just like be shooting up high. Oh, you know what it is? No, they they install they like bolt water tower a water tower ladder to the T Rex's <laughs> neck, so he like climbs. He, he holds on with one hand to the water tower thing, and he like fires away. I got it. I got it. I got it. It's a T Rex baby Bjorn. <gasps> so it's yes! Pratt in a baby Bjorn with the gun, and the T Rex is like little tiny arms are on either side of him, flapping, flapping. Yes, Chris Pratt in a baby Bjorn, going like, "We're coming for you." That's what I want. <laughs> Lost World Three, Jurassic Park Six, Lost No, Jurassic, Jurassic Park World. Six, Jurassic World Three, Chris Pratt in a baby Bjorn. That's the subtitle. I like it. I like it so much. Nothing I want more than that. I would be all day, all day for that. Um, I really liked the design of the Indoraptor. It was like pretty. It was yeah. the black and gold. Like it was pretty. Yeah, I thought it was cool. And I honestly, the other thing I liked about this movie is there's a ton of dinosaur puppets in it and it just looks more oh, real. so much. Yeah. that's. I mean, that's the best part of it. Because I recently watched, so we watched Jurassic Park like I, I slept through most of it, and then I was like, "What are those? Those other ones are on Netflix. Let me fire those up." And they're they're very not good. I had them on while doing stuff on my laptop. I think I was editing one of these podcasts actually, but it was like mostly just CGI messes. Then occasionally you'd see a little puppet. It's like, "Oh, there's the puppet. All right." Mm-hmm. I also got really confused at the real quick um, at the end when Bryce Dallas Howard, because Bryce Dallas Howard is like the action hero of the movie. They like try and make you think it's Chris Pratt, but she's kind of the action hero. Honestly, Blue should have been the third build character in the movie. It should have been Chris Pratt, Bryce Dallas Howard, and Blue on top of the title mm-hmm. on the poster. I agree. Um, but at the end, when she like has the gun that trains the Indoraptor onto a subject, yeah, I was like, why is she pointing it at Chris Pratt? I thought she was gonna like find the the wormy dude, the like oh uh, yeah yeah sent yeah. her on the mission. I thought she was gonna be like, oh hey buddy, look familiar. <laughs> and the interrupter is gonna be like twitch twitch launch yeah yeah next you're yeah. gonna give it wings you know that's that, oh that for sure next yeah step, right? that's that's how tremors worked oh i meant they i meant they were going to engineer it with wings because i know they, but they do that, create it. that's that's the tremors evolution first it was like the big thing and then it was the little thing and then it was a flying thing oh i didn't realize that so they went it's from the big since i've seen tremors they went from the big tremor to dress lost world jurassic world 2 is the, the small dinosaur, and the next one will be a flying dinosaur. It'll be Tremors 3. Oh, I'm on board. So, yeah, so anyway, that's all I got for this. I, it's a stupid movie, but I kind of enjoyed the heck out of it. Agreed. I loved it. 
So I, I think it's worth it. As long as you're going in knowing it's dumb as a bag of hammers, you'll have a good time. Yeah, don't go in expecting Jurassic Park because we can't make another one. No, apparently. never, never, ever. I wish, I hope we get Dr. Sattler back in one of them. Yeah, Ian Malcolm is in this movie for 95 seconds top, tops. And they pretended he was like, in the movie. He's like the second lead in the trailer, and he's in this movie for under under three minutes, for real. Mm-hmm. Thank you for listening to the show. I've been Triplano. I will always be Andrew Lano. Until our next episode. Don't you forget about me. Dissecting the 80s is a Chum Sum of This production. <laughs> <laughs>